Hello, everybody. Today, we are talking about exploring your identity as an artist. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at ArtProf, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. Well, I think you all know who Jordan McCracken Foster is, the creator of Shadow Boxers. And since we're talking about identity today, how do you identify yourself, Jordan? Uh, I identify as an African-American and um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to Dominic Cocosa, who is our guest artist today. And Dominic does these beautiful figurative paintings. And tell us, Dominic, how do you identify as a person? I identify as Guatemalan American artist and painter. Excellent. And both of you, I think, have incorporated your identities in your projects in very different ways. So, Dominic, we have a lot of figurative paintings. Can you tell us a little bit about your approach, how you incorporate your identity at the most fundamental level in your paintings? So, I was adopted from Guatemala when I was an infant. And so, most of my work recently has been paying tribute to my roots, my Guatemalan roots. And so in a lot of my works, I'm using pretty vibrant colors from Guatemalan traditions and other cultural practices that I'm interested in exploring. Tell us about these stones that have faces. How is this related to your background as a person? So this piece was probably one of my more my first piece is exploring identity. I did this my junior year of high school, senior year of high school. And this piece is actually exhibited in the Smithsonian Hirshhorn Museum. But in this, in this circle of rocks, I was depicting my family. And so I was looking at different reference photos, but for all of like the noses and like the mouths are um, each of the members in my family. And making work about who you are not an easy thing to do for a lot of artists. I'm an example. I have never really made work about my cultural background, anything like that. And I'm curious to know from people in the chat, how many people here have made artwork about their identity and how many people are thinking about it? Because identities pretty powerful, Jordan, as a mm -hmm. subject. It doesn't really get deeper than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's super powerful. And I think that it's something that we can explore a lot more as artists individually. And Jordan, I'm curious, was there any moment that you decided, you know what, I want this work to somehow channel my own identity or did it just happen? Uh, a mixture of both. When I was a kid, I was drawing characters that I saw on TV, and a lot of them happened to be white characters like Timmy Turner or Danny Phantom or whatever. And then I think it was my mom who said, why don't you draw more black characters? Just kind of flippantly, almost just <laughs> as a random comment. And I thought about it, and I just started drawing more characters that looked like me. And that's kind of how Shadowboxers got started, because I always wanted to see a fantasy sci-fi world with people who were who looked like me, who had darker skin. Um, that's something that you don't see a lot of. So I thought I'd take a chance and just try something new. Dominic, I'm wondering if you had anything similar 
feeling like you did not see people who looked like you in the fine arts or in anywhere in media. Did you ever have that experience similar to Jordan? I definitely think in our history, there's many depictions of Indigenous and Latinx communities, but it's usually from a pretty Eurocentric Western perspective. And so I think when we think about visibility for Latinx artists, Frida Kahlo might come to mind or some other artists similar to that. And I think I was mainly interested in doing work about my culture just so that I can provide visibility for other Latinx artists that are interested in exploring that. Because I do think that there is a lack for specifically Latinx creatives in the higher art world. And sometimes I think creating work about your identity, it's scary. Jordan, were you ever worried about that or thinking, oh man, do I even want to go here? Because uh, while it's very powerful, it's also a little intimidating for some people. I think it, there's a part of me that's intimidated, especially when I was in school and stuff and, uh, and, and just creating work that resonated with me. And now I don't feel the same pressure anymore because it's just something that I love to do. And it's, the work that I do, especially for Shoutboxers, isn't so much about race. So it's just more like, this is what they are, deal with it, you know? <laughs> and so I find it a lot easier to kind of make work like that when I have that mindset, because at the end of the day, they're, they're people. And so I think that's what's most important for me to keep in my mind. Manette, great question to start the stream with. How are we defining identity? So Dominic, we can say, okay, you're a Guatemalan American artist, but what does identity mean to you beyond those two words, Guatemalan American? I think identity for me is a coming to terms with the different cultures or um, lineages that I'm a part of. I think I identify as Guatemalan American, but I think I also identify as an indigenous person. I grew up in Virginia. So I think I, I was around um, a very specific type of person. So I think um, I think it's sometimes uncomfortable for people to sometimes define themselves as one thing. And I think that's completely okay. I think um, to find that title that's right for yourself, I think it definitely takes time. And for me, I think art helped me figure that out. I also think sometimes a lot of identity has to do with context. For example, the town that I grew up in was in Massachusetts. And I grew up going to, but Mitzvah was like, well, I went to like 20 <laughs> because everybody in my town practically was Jewish. My husband grew up in Salt Lake City. I think he told me he had never met a Jewish person until he went to college. So Jordan, what kind of context did you grow up within? And how do you think that maybe impacted your identity? Um, so actually, very similar to you, I went to a lot of bar and bat mitzvahs as well. <laughs> and um, I went to a school where, where it was primarily white, rich white students, and uh, I was neither of those things. And so I would be, I was one of three black kids in my class in elementary school, and I was always used to being around people who look differently than me. And all the way through college and even grad school, that's, it's always been that pattern. So in, in a way, I sometimes I wish I 
you know, been more around people that look like me as I grew up in school. But the other part of me says, you know, it's really neat that I have friends from so many different cultures and, um, and I've seen a lot, I've learned a lot from their experiences as well. Anna says, being differently abled, queer, and Jewish forms the essence of my work. I focus on non-normative bodies because I almost never see, what is PWD? Sorry, is, is that an abbreviation? I feel silly that I don't know what that is. Oh, okay. PWD is people with disabilities. Okay, thank you very much. I'm just not on top of all these abbreviations. <laughs> but I would like to hear from everybody in the chat, regardless of whether you've made art about your identity, how do you identify as a person? Because people identify in so many different ways. And Dominic, I do think sometimes people think, oh, well, you identify with this, therefore you're like this. I mean, stereotypes come in all different ways. And have you worried about that in your work about, oh my gosh, am I just showing people what they want to see or what they don't want to see. Like, do you ever worry about how your audience is going to interpret the work? Definitely. I think there's so much power that comes with representing bodies and representing marginalized communities. And I think that's part of the reason why I've been so drawn to representing people of my own community um, is to be able to provide that visibility. I think I've mentioned that I was adopted when I was um, an infant. And so for me, claiming that Latinx history has been definitely a journey for someone who doesn't speak Spanish, who is brown. So I think that there is a little bit of care and thoughtfulness that needs to go into that, especially for me, because I also don't feel like I'm completely connected to my community in the way that society might expect that I would be. I have a somewhat similar thing in that my parents are immigrants from Taiwan. I was born in the US and I did not fit in my community. I was the Asian kid, right? But then I go to Taiwan and I'm the American. And so I don't really fit anywhere particularly. And identity is something, Jordan, that I think we're constantly grappling with. Yeah, I think, that, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. I think it's more than just what, you're born as or what your skin color is a lot of it also has to do with what your personal beliefs are and your values and i think that that when you meld that into your work as well i think that adds a whole different layer um to to your artwork or your your project or whatever it is that you're doing as a creative person Tali says i'm thinking of reconnecting to my identity as christian of expressing my beliefs and as haitian american of being able to represent my culture as i see it without being stereotyped identity is so complicated and i think what frustrates me sometimes is that people do oversimplify it and that is really hard to handle do you have any not solutions <laughs> dominic but ways to grapple with that of people oversimplifying our experiences as people. I think the people that you surround yourself with, I'm, I would I would be hoping that individuals have uh, support from their friends and from their family, or if they don't, they have um, some form of online community that they can talk to and speak to. I think 
at defining yourself as something or um, just meeting someone who shares a similar identity for the first time can be so helpful or so enriching or someone who shares some sort of similar trait that you have and having that opportunity to develop that conversation I think can definitely help with feeling more comfortable in identifying and claiming certain attributes of yourself. I know, Jordan, that you've mentioned Michael many times on the stream and what an influence he was for you. And you've said to me in the past, you know, the fact that he was my teacher and he was Black, that that was a big deal for you. Yeah, I think as a kid, you especially because I wanted to get into animation as a kid and games and stuff like that. And the way animation was described to me, it's it's kind of like a white American subculture. And so trying to be black in a white American subculture is already challenging enough. So when you're young and you see someone who looks like you um, and they have the ability to do what you want to do and they, they're willing to train you, that's a really big deal. And uh, I really feel indebted to them for that. And one of the things that I hope to do as I continue to grow as an artist is to be able to provide that for other young especially black kids um and anyone who who's who wants to learn from me i'll, I'll help them but especially black kids I, I have a particular burden on my heart for them manette says grew up in minnesota heavy scandinavian culture but we are not scandinavian i am incorporating norwegian mythology into a graphic novel i'm working on though don't have anything else to draw on well we make art about what we know because I think sometimes there is this expectation that, oh, if you make work about Latinx communities, you have to encompass the entire world of Latinx people. But that's not true, Dominic, right? No, definitely. I think that something that has helped a lot in me being able to talk and use inspiration in my work is that I'm using I statements. And I think that's that's something that I think is important too, is I, I can only speak for my experience. So my experience as a Latinx individual is going to be substantially different from any of my peers who also share the same identity. And I think developing that for me has been helpful as well in being able to feel comfortable with the things that I'm saying and addressing in my work. And sometimes because there aren't, decades of cartoon shows, Jordan, that have all black characters. And let's say Shadow Boxers, well, we want it to get onto the big screen eventually as an animated show, that there is this pressure that, oh, Shadow Boxers represents all of black culture. And sometimes I think that's a really unfair weight that people put on artists who are representing cultures and backgrounds that just don't have the visibility that other cultures have had for decades and decades. Yeah, well, the way I look at it to calm myself down a bit is to not look at it necessarily black art, but just making art. And because I don't want to be the representative of all the, you know, the black animated shows. And like, I heard an interview from Michael Jackson, that's, he kind of said something similar. He said, I don't make black music, I make music and it touches people. And that's the same kind of mindset that I have. And yes, it contains black characters, it contains a lot of parts of our culture that may be very specific to, to my experience or what most black people in the country in this country experience, but it is by no means a blanket statement over everyone with brown skin. 
Anna says, I think we also have to keep in mind that identity is more than what people look like. For example, neurodivergence, mental health, and some disabilities are often invisible. Yes, we've been talking quite a bit because Jordan, you had mentioned the lack of black characters on the screen, but people are so much more than what they look like. And I think what's been really interesting about your work, Dominic, is that while you do have a lot of work that is figurative, you also have a lot of work that actually starts with these Guatemalan dolls that you found. And how do you think these are maybe perceived differently than say a painting you make where it's real live people is what we're seeing? I think that the dolls are a new, a new avenue that I'm going into. I would definitely say that it doesn't completely represent everything that I'm, uh, my work represents. But I think for me, it's um, an opportunity to use the dolls kind of as a time capsule where like I'm thinking about object histories, I'm thinking about the way that they're made, I'm thinking about what they represent in different contexts. So what is this um, Guatemalan ragdoll represent in Guatemala versus what does it represent here in Providence, Rhode Island versus what does it mean um, if someone who's holding a different identity is holding it. I think the context definitely changes. Yeah, because culture and identity, it's more than just people. I mean, a lot of it is in objects or in clothing. Like I know, Jordan, you've worked really hard designing all of the costuming for your characters. Mm -hmm. And how do you think that contributes to their identities? I mean, so so I got a lot of inspiration from traditional African cultures and hip hop culture um, in general. I've, yeah, I've had a really fun time merging them together, but it's also challenging because, you know, I have to make it fun and fit for a character design, make it work for who that person is. Um, but I think it's a challenge that I welcome. And it's one of those something, it's one of those things that I just really, really enjoy because I can have such a broad canvas of things that I can explore and there's no limit to the things that I can do with these characters. Bash the Stampede says, sometimes I feel how I use identity in my artwork based on mental health feels too cliche. It makes me uncomfortable to feel repetitive, but understand that it's a shared symptom. Absolutely, there's a cliche for everything on the planet. And is that something you've thought about, Dominic, how to avoid them or maybe even how to use them to your advantage? I definitely think that any any conversations that I'm having is going to be special because it's going to change who's telling that conversation. So um, going on to that, that mental health conversation about um, expanding on that in your work, I think it's going to be vastly different depending on who's talking about it. I think we're in an environment where I think we're constantly asked to define ourselves or play into what mainstream imagery looks like. And I think mainstream images are also so different too. I think that they have their own aesthetics, they have their own purposes, but I think as long as the work itself is coming from that you know, real passion and intention from what you're going for, I think that people are going to see that and people are going to want to learn more about your identity. It's hard because I think sometimes the more viewed visuals people are used to associating with certain cultures, it makes for an easy read. 
but the work that I am really excited about is when I learn something new that, oh, I, I had no idea about this. Like Dominic, you have this doll and this is the doll you grew up with, right? This is not the exact one. I actually have a couple of them here. Um, yeah, size comparison. <laughs> um, so no, these dolls actually, um, this is not the exact one, but I did have one when I was adopted that I've held on to and was the first doll that I've represented actually in this painting behind me right here. And it was interesting because when I went to Guatemala and I was able to buy one for the first time, I realized how different the color of the fabric was based on what I knew it as. And I think that was just because it, it's an old, an old doll, so the fabric turned yellow. And that was something that I completely would not have noticed if I hadn't have traveled there. Yeah, and, and sometimes what we think is one thing actually turns out to be something else as we grow older and our language for how we engage with things changes. So that's another thing is that your identity continually in, evolves as an artist. So this is a really great comment from Jane who says, when I try to think about what identifies me, I mostly think of my hobbies. I agree it's hard to identify myself other than white middle-class mom, not really inspiring for my art. I'd prefer fantasy. Well, what do you say about that, Jordan? Because I do have people who say to me, I, I don't really feel like I've got a great story to tell about my identity. Well, the beautiful thing is we all have very different experiences. Um, like, for example, me and my father, we're both black, we're both black men in this country. But if you if we were to tell our life stories, there would be two completely different uh, tales. And I think there's a lot of things that you can do to push the boundaries and break out of what you might consider a stereotype, because whether you realize it or not, your story is completely unique. And like with Shadow Boxers, the thing that I try and do is I try and make it so that each character has a very specific reason for being in the story and everyone feels different, despite the fact that they all come from the same fantasy world. And I can combine lots of elements together, but that's what I base it off of, is making them unique people. Pat says, I have a hard time expressing myself in my art when I start to plot out ideas. It feels like an old political cartoon where every metaphor has a label written on it to explain. Well, Dominic, do you have any tips for people who have interest in making work about their identity, but maybe feel a little bit nervous about it or, oh, I don't know how to make it really different and not like every run-of-the-mill painting of the same topic? I think we put a lot of our of pressure on ourselves to show work and have it exist, you know, in on a wall. And I think that you can have your own artistic practice that's completely personal and that you're not showing to anyone. I think in a lot of cases we're showing work that's completed. People aren't seeing the behind the scenes of what it takes to get there. And I think there's a lot of trial and error that happens there. So putting too much pressure at the beginning, I think that's inherent. I think we all put a lot of pressure on ourselves for something to be magnificent or great. Um, but I think really just coming back to the point that you're doing this because you're passionate about it and then really channeling that passion to maybe be okay with making mistakes and knowing that like where those mistakes are happening, that's productive and that's going to help you grow. 
Tally says, I'm same as Jordan. I've been blessed to have both my family, especially my second older brother, who experienced bullying for being dark skinned and being true to his Haitian identity. Well, here's the thing. Identity isn't confined to one person. And Jordan, I'm wondering, have you put stories from friends or family or even styles or, or looks into shadow boxers, or oh, yeah. I can't imagine it's all you, right? <laughs> oh no, I've, I have literally told friends like, can I take, I, I've asked them like, can I take this part of your life and put it in here? So like I have characters who, I have a friend who uh, has experience in the in foster care system uh, and has told me lots of very detailed stories. I'm like, can I add some of that in here? And, and she's not black at all. And you know, and so I add little things like that to make it, more uh, eclectic and just make them more well well rounded, and that's one of my favorite things about the project because one of the things I think people connect with is you know the, the types of lives that these characters have, and they're real to me. They're not just drawings on my Cintiq or a piece of paper. They feel authentic. I imagine that as much as you're talking about your identity and getting help from friends and family there is probably some degree of research that's involved. So Dominic, tell us about this building because parts of it do show up in this painting. Yes, so taking inspiration from a structure in Guatemala, and this is a church, a very old church. And this is actually not my photo. Um, I found it on a free image website, which they definitely are out there. And I think taking inspiration from this, I wanted to not just portray the building itself, but I wanted to take inspiration from more of the pattern and decorative architectural design and then cross it over with my more figurative work. And having that dialogue there between both of those for me has been super interesting because it, it allows the figure to then take on um, a more obscure dialogue that it is not as straightforward as some of my other pieces. Dominic, how did you find this building? Did you look it up on purpose? Did you stumble upon it? So I have this Guatemalan book. I believe it's called The Guatemalan Rainbow. And I've, I, I think it was my mom or my dad's. It was one of their books. And they've had it for a long time. And that's one of the books that I've been referencing a lot since coming to RISD. And it was interesting because I've, I've referenced a lot of the images in that book for a while now. I think the earliest image I can recall of painting representative image from that book was probably in seventh grade. And it just, it served as this representative for what I believed Guatemalan culture to be. And this past summer, I had the incredible opportunity to visit Guatemala for the first time since my adoption. And I was able to see how my my beliefs and my vision of what Guatemala is changed. So I think the book itself served as like that, that placeholder for a while. And I think I have a lot more information now. Jordan, I'm curious, have you gotten any pushback from people on shadow boxers? Because inevitably, even if you're not even trying to make it a thing, People see images of different types of people, representation, and the reaction's not always positive. Have you gotten any of that? Yeah, so ironically, I, I've gotten some pushback on the fact that when you see my character lineup, all the characters are brown, and usually black people are the ones who call that out and say you need to have 
more a variety. And me personally, um, I've never seen anyone say that argument with Lord of the Rings or Avatar Last Airbender for having Asian characters or Harry Potter when they have like one token or two token black guys. And it, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. And I think that the project that I'm going to create or I am creating is going to resonate with people. And I have many people in my life who, uh, who are different cultures, different backgrounds, and they all love it, whether they're white, Asian, brown, like it doesn't matter. And um, so I rely on that feedback the most. And I prefer to just, I guess, ignore the haters is the easiest way to put it. <laughs> well, Anna brings up cancel culture worries me as an artist who deals intensely with identity in my work because I mix biblical and mythological characters and narratives in my work. I don't know if people heard about what happened to the Asian actress Constance Wu, but she was majorly canceled. And a lot of the most hurtful comments she said she got, I watched an interview the other day, were from the Asian community. And I imagine that is incredibly stressful to have that kind of pushback. So I'm wondering, Dominic, have you had any pushback with any of your work dealing with your background? Yes, when I was in high school, I was creating my AP art portfolio, my advanced placement portfolio, and it was centering around immigration. And one of the pieces that I had in that portfolio, I submitted to a contest that maybe some of you are familiar with, it's called the Congressional Art Competition. And I've actually, I had actually applied to it many years prior to that. And on the, on my third time um, submitting to it, the piece won. And so part of the interesting thing about that opportunity was that if the piece wins, it goes into the United States Capitol building. And so that's a very visible <laughs> national place. And this was during the Trump era. So I think for me, that was kind of a big wake up call it was the first time that I was experiencing backlash for a work that I genuinely cared about and still care about. But it's just the way that you can't completely control how people perceive different images. And for me, it was the first time where I kind of was blurring the lines between art and a political image and um, deciphering between that in terms of cancel culture. I mean, I'm still here. so. It all worked out. <laughs> it all worked out. Um, but definitely it is something that I have on the back of my mind of how things are going to be perceived and how I can show my work in the best light. Manette says, big part of my identity is that I'm an atheist, though I was raised Christian. Because of how I was raised, I have a complicated relationship with religion, not something I ever thought of exploring in art. Well, so often these are stories, they are our lives. And sometimes we don't think about them as anything that special. And it's not until you speak to somebody who says, whoa, what? I, I never even thought about that. I never even considered what that would be like. To I'm really, really interested now. And so Jordan, I think sometimes people get very worried about, oh, my idea is not exciting enough. It's not complicated enough. But your life <laughs> is a story and nobody can take that from you. That's true. No, I, th that's the beauty of life. And I think we all have similar experiences. Like I think most of us have experienced some form of heartbreak before or some form of happiness and joy, some form of feeling alone, uh, some fe feeling of empowerment. And those are the things that we all connect with. And there's so many ways to do that. Like 
Finding Nemo wasn't successful because it was just a movie about fish. It was because they gave these fish some emotional ties that we connect with as humans. Same with Toy Story or whatever other movie you want to throw in there. And so I think if we can capture the emotions of humanity and put it into our work, then people will connect with that on some level. And it doesn't have to be overly complex or, you know, take up 10 encyclopedias to explain. Vash is saying, knowing you can't control how people perceive your narrative, how do you stay positive? Any tips? Dominic, anything to keep in mind to maybe make it not so stressful? Because, wow, you can really have a hard time with that sometimes. I definitely think research and education play a big role in just contextualizing your what your, your message is first, I think having that background layer is like the first essential thing I think for me, because there are a lot of things that I've learned just by researching what I'm trying to depict. And I'm realizing, oh, okay, maybe I didn't know that terminology. I didn't know that slang, or maybe this won't come across the way that I want it to. So I think research is important first of all. And then I think second of all, I think, again, the confidence there is that um, you have you're on the you art prof, you have an online support community, you have people that are there to help you. And I think having some of your friends or people that you trust look at your work and be able to um, ask them honestly, is this, this, do you think that this is a problematic image? And if it is, like, let's talk about that. Let's unpack that. Let's have what we would call at RISD, like a critique of the work so that we can feel more comfortable about presenting images that we're really confident in. I do think as artists, we do have a responsibility to do our research and get the right information. Because so often, one of the things that makes artwork really cringy, for lack of a better word, is when it's so obvious somebody has not done their research. It can be embarrassing. So Jordan, how do you prevent that from happening? Because I, I really sympathize because I've had students and they really were not trying to offend anybody or be lazy or anything. And yet somehow they ended up doing something that everybody got really mad about. How do you prevent that from happening, Jordan? Well, I, I, well I echo what, what Dominic said. I think a lot of it is the research. But the other side of it, I think um, it comes down to what your intentions are. Um, and that's something I try not to do is question someone's sincerity or intention on something, especially if they haven't vocalized it. And naturally, because we're doing art, it's a subjective experience and not everyone is going to like everything that you do. Um, and I think part of it is just being able to accept what it is that you are creating. And if you know within yourself that you're not intentionally trying to hurt feelings or ostracize a certain group of people or whatever the case is, then that will be closer to a green light for me. Um, and again, if people are mad at that, then like Dominic said, that's where the critique comes in. That's where the feedback comes in. You can always uh, course correct later on. Or Dominic, sometimes I think it's just a matter of being prepared to stand by what you've made and to say, this, these are creative decisions I made as an artist, and this is why I decided to do that. Because there have been artists in the past who have gotten a lot of trouble from the public, but who said, this is what I'm doing. This is why. And so sometimes you you just really have to stand up for yourself as an artist. Definitely. I think that that's where the research comes in. And then 
the power of images is so profound. And so being able to reflect on what you're producing and you don't necessarily have to question every little thing because I think that can get a little like um, com too complicated, but I think questioning, okay, so what is this figure, if you're doing a figurative work, what is this figure doing? What might it look like? Um, what colors am I using? What, and the research, where do these colors come from? Is me depicting it in this light or depicting it in this arrangement? Might that have a different connotation for someone in the US? Might it have a different connotation for someone that's living overseas? And I think really being mindful of that, um, where context really matters is um, what the different meanings that things might have depending on when they're viewed, where they're viewed, and how people are viewing it. I mean, when I was growing up, my mother would never let me put anything white in my hair. And it's because in Taiwanese culture, that means it's a sign of death. You go to the funerals in Taiwan and there's so much white. And so even like a white hair tie, I still am sort of nervous about that. So whenever I buy hair ties for my kid, I take out all the white ones because part of me is still paranoid about that. And so a lot of it is really understanding it from a global perspective. And you can't always do that. We can't know everybody's point of view, but research can sure help you out in that area quite a bit. We have a comment from Ameris who says, I'm Haitian Indigenous American on my mom's side, Haitian African on, on my dad's. I'm disabled as well. I was judged growing up for being an Oreo because my parents were military. I grew up loving art and it helps build community. Yeah, and I, I think sometimes, Jordan, people might say, well, you're an artist. Wouldn't it be better if you donated all your time and money to a nonprofit organization and did it that way? But there's a power in cartoons that kids watch. You wouldn't think there is, but think about how impactful those images are when you're growing up. I know for you, Jordan, it really was. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard somewhere that uh, by the time someone is seven years old, their personality, who they are, is pretty much set. And so it, it's kind of, it, it, it's sort of a, it, it, it's almost strange to me to think that that's not important to the images that children see is somehow uh, not as valuable as something else that we receive as adults. And if I can inspire some six-year-old or some five-year-old with some thing that I drew, then I think that's incredibly important because whether we realize it or not, that's the next generation of future artists or lawyers, doctors, politicians, you know, engineers, whatever the case is. And I want to be able to inspire someone in that category that I may not be able to see their future as of right now. Yeah. I mean, Dominic, I'm sure you must be taking some version of art history right now. And the art history that people are taught, the art history 101, the survey, you think about how that's supposed to lay a groundwork for the education of the next generation of artists. And I cannot believe how problematic it was when I was a student. And I remember thinking, wow, we just skipped Africa and Asia. Okay, that, that's two inches of this textbook, but we're just not gonna do that, really? <laughs> 
Um, have you seen that in art history, Dominic, feeling like there just were gaps? Definitely. When we're talking about Indigenous people, Native Americans, people that are also part of the Latinx community, I think in history textbooks, also in art history, there's a particular way that they've been depicted. The conversation is very much people of the past, not people of current day. And I think that's for me where that claiming that indigenous identity for me is so helpful because I think that my work is indigenous and it does matter and it does play an integral role in forming that story so that it can be received in textbooks later on. And then that art history becomes just more inclusive of other people's backgrounds. And um, I can provide that visibility for other people. Yes, Ginger says there's a huge gap for anything that isn't European or American. It's it's really bad. I mean, art history has a long ways to go, and it's just such a unfortunately stuffy profession. Just the change is so incrementally slow, and I don't see it happening quickly, but that's where I think talking to you, Jordan, and talking to you, Dominic, and hearing your experiences is critical that we have those conversations. And even if just one of you watched our live stream, we reached one person and that one person could be critical to spreading that out into the world. Take a look at Dominic's Instagram. We have the links to his Instagram and his website and the YouTube video description below. And Jordan, what's happening tomorrow night? Well, tomorrow is my birthday for those of you who do not know. And so I'm doing a Shadow Boxers live stream. It's going to be 6 p.m. Pacific time on my YouTube channel, The Joe McFoe Show. So I would love to see you all there. And shame on you if you're not subscribed to his YouTube channel because I hang out there sometimes. It keeps me motivated when you are doing a live stream. We do have a few spots left for our January workshops on drawing and painting clouds and also commissions for artists, which is this Saturday. You can go to the homepage of artprop.org to find those links for registration. This Google slideshow is available. The link is in the YouTube video description below. You can access all our slideshows and tons more content that's not available on YouTube on artprof.org. After the stream, Jordan and I will be in the post live stream stage channel for a Discord chat. There are many ways you can support Artprof. For example, we have all these services, and this is a brand new one, which I'm really proud of, which is personal art curriculums where we custom design a curriculum with lessons, with prompts and exercises that fit your personal goals and needs as an artist. You can make a one-time donation by Venmo, via PayPal. And thank you to our top Patreon supporters who, by the way, get all kinds of fun perks. You have access to weekly voice sessions with staff and it's just a 24-7 art party in there. So you should all come hang out with us because our goal is making me sad right now. We keep going down. <laughs> so we need your support. You get perks, you get exclusive content and all those good things. Art Prof has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And subscribe to our channel for more tutorials, critiques, and business tips. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.